Wherefore, my beloved brethren, beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. They had a good relationship with their pastor. He said, you've always listened, you've taken the direction I've given, not just when I'm there, but when I'm not there. That's a good thing. Parenthetically, that's a whole other message. I'm going to leave that alone. Work out. Notice what Paul said. He said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Look at that person next to you and say, you've got to work out your own salvation. Work it out. Work it out. You have something to do with this thing. Work out your own salvation. Come on, don't play around with it. Work out your own salvation with, with fear and trembling. This is a serious matter. This isn't tiddlywinks fun and games. This is a real deal. Work out your own salvation. Now notice, come on folks, pay attention. Get your, 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 your brain in the Bible. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, I've, I've heard it preached tons of times, tons of ways, taught tons of ways. Normally, somebody will read verse number 12, leave it alone, or read verse number 13, leave it alone. But notice what he said. So work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's what you're supposed to do. Amen? Next verse, sometimes excise out, use on its own. For it is God which works in you, both willing to do of his good pleasure. So it's God that's working in you. And then the verse 4 says, but you're supposed to work out your own salvation. So my question for you this morning is which is it? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It is God which works in you, both the will and do his good pleasure. One is the will of man. The other is the grace and the sovereignty of God. Which is it? <laughs> Come on, help me out. It's both. You get it? It's both. Colossians 1.28. This is one of, 29 is one of my favorite verses. I actually, someone gave me a gift. I've got a metal plate up in my office that, that has this car, this scripture carved out, and it sits in my window. It's one of my favorite verses. Whom we preach, 128, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. This next verse. Let this get a hold of you. Whereunto I also labor. Contemporary. I work. Paul said, I'm laboring, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, right? I'm working, I'm laboring. I labor, comma, striving according to his working. Wait a second, who's working? Well, okay, his working, so God's working, and he worketh in me mightily. That's, man, that's cool when God's working powerful inside of you. It's like an engine. He's working inside of you. He's working in me mightily. Paul said, I labor. Striving according to his working, which we're, so I'm working, God's working. Which is it? Is it God working or is it me working? Jesus, bless the word of God to our hearts today. Help me, Jesus, communicate. Help this congregation to understand. I pray your anointing. I pray your blessing. Talk to every person that's here today. I trust in you, and I ask for your help. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be seated. Now, these next two lessons are so vital in our understanding of grace, crucial. And <clears throat> what I'm talking about is the process of co-operating with grace. Co-operating with grace. 
story I want to bring you is out of the Old Testament. It's a, it's a wonderful story out of the Old Testament. Um, I'm not going to take for granted you know it. I'm going to act like you don't. And if you do, act like it's the first time you ever heard it. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? The patriarchs. I am so thankful to God for Jacob. Because Abraham and Isaac in so many ways are their iconic biblical leaders. Wonderful, awesome people of integrity by and large. I mean, they had their issues like all of us do, but overall. And then you got in the lineage, you got this third guy. This third guy, his name's Jacob. His name literally means conniver, scammer, schemer, trickster. You know, you people got hope. God doesn't just go after the Abraham and the Isaac. He also goes after the Jacob. He goes after those who don't have it all together. And yet, even though they don't have it all together, they've got something pulsating within their heart that says, I, I, I want something from God. Even though I'm mixed up, messed up, screwed up, I, I still got a passion. I want God. And so the Bible gives us an example of a guy who is, for all intents and purposes, the guy is not just a real great guy. And yet there's something inside of him that says, I want, I want God in my life. And so he's scamming around, he's playing around, he's, and he's got a brother named Esau, and Esau is like, if you allow me parenthetically to, to just imagine here, he's a man of the field, he's a hunter, he's a warrior, he's a powerful Manly man, he's, you know, he's got biceps on his biceps. He's a man of the field. He's a hunter. He's a strong guy. And, and Jacob scams him out of his birthright and his blessing. And as many sibling rivalries are, his brother hates him to death. His brother hates him. Esau hates his guts. Jacob goes running, leaves the country. And on his way back into the country, who comes out to meet him other than the brother who he's got all these issues with? Brings us to Genesis 32. Notice this with me. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. There was a man that wrestled with him. Now, the man later in verse number 30, uh, Jacob says, I've seen God face to face, right? So he says, I'm wrestling with a man, but then he says, I've seen God face to face. Another verse in Hosea says that he wrestled with an angel. So, however you want a theophany, uh, you know, a, a representative, a divine representative of God, whatever you want to call it, this, this person, this man, this angel, this being that he is wrestling with is representative of God, is, is a representative of God, and, and Jacob is wrestling with him. He's, he's wrestling with the angel, Right? Verse 25 says, when he, uh, when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. So he's wrestling, and the Bible says, 26, he said, let me go for the day breaketh. He doesn't just wrestle for a minute or an hour, but he wrestles for multiplied hours. And the Bible says, as he's wrestling with this angel, the angel reaches out and miraculously touches his hip, and his hip gets thrown out of joint. You ever thrown your hip out of joint? My wife is struggling because she's got something going on with her uh, shoulder. She's throwing her shoulder. She can't. So I had to help do her hair. <laughs> Not this morning. Or it wouldn't look as good as it looks. 
You know, that YouTube video has got the guy that's got the uh, vacuum cleaner with his kid's hair. Puts a rubber band on there. I tried the other day. I started working with it. She's like, ouch, that's so hard. Don't, don't you pull in too hard. My kids, I, when mom was away at Ladies Retreat, I'd do their hair. You get a spray bottle out. Guys, if you need to do your girl's hair, you just spray it down real good. Spray it way, way down, and it cooperates. His hip is thrown out of joint. He's hurting now. The Bible says that he wrestles with the angel until the break of day. And he said, I will not let thee go. He said, I'll not let thee go. I need help. Jackson. He wrestled with the angel. He was wrestling with the angel. He wrestled with the angel. He's wrestling with the angel. And the angel said, the angel said, let him go for the day break. <laughs> and the angel is trying to get away. And he said, and another hour goes by. And the angel said, let me go for the day break. The angel said, let me go. Let me go. What did Jacob do? I'm not letting you go. It don't matter what happens. Angel, I ain't letting you go until you bless me. I'm not letting you go. And the angel trying to get away. Let me tell you why some people struggle in their walk with God. Because they're sissies. You stay here just for a minute. I don't know if I'm done with you yet. <laughs> you know why some people struggle in their walk with God? Because they're sissies. You say, Pastor, you're talking about the grace of God. The grace of God. Oh, the grace of God. Let me take this sloppy bunch of garbage that floats around Christianity today. Once you're saved, you're always saved. That's garbage. You can't find that in the book. I was saved. I, you know, nothing I could do could unsave me. Let's go smoke a joint. Hey, let's meet at the bar. What do you say? We get drunk. Let me tell you why a lot of people struggle in their walk with God. They struggle in their walk with God because they got no will. They don't have a will to win. They don't have a will to pray. They don't have a will to fight. They don't have a will. And then you say, Sarah, Sarah. What will be, will be. You know, I guess whatever God wants to do, God's just going to do. Let me tell you something. You know, I know a lot of people. I feel the Holy Ghost here. You know, I know a lot of people. You know what they're saying? We need a move of God. We need, hang on, let me finish. We need a move of God. We need a move of God. We need a move of God. Oh, if we just had a move of God. If we had more God. If we had a move of God. Let me tell you what God's saying. I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay to speak on behalf of the Lord. God's looking down at his throne in heaven. While all these people are saying, we need a move of God. We need a move of God. We need a move of God. Let me tell you what God's saying. God's saying, I need a move of man. I need man to move. 
I need a move of man. I need man to do something. When is man going to get up? When is man going to have a passion? When is man going to get some will? When is somebody going to get up and say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired? When is somebody going to get up and get a little backbone, square their shoulders, and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Some people are waiting for God to do stuff that, listen, God ain't going to do. I hate to tell you this, Minnesotans. Listen, God is not shoveling your driveway. You can pray all day long. You can fast until your belly button stinking falls off. God is not going to brush your teeth. He's not going to comb your hair. There are some things... That God is looking at you and saying, when you going to move? When you going to do the will of God? When you going to do what I put before you? And you got this guy named Jacob, one of the great patriarchs of the Bible. God said, I'm going to elevate him. I'm going to lift him up. I'm going to show you an example. We teach it in Sunday school. We talk about it all day long. What is the illustration? What is the point? Get to the point. Bottom line. Summary, please. What's it all about? He wrestled. Let me go. Let me go. I ain't letting you go. Let me tell you when some of you are going to get over your drug addiction. Let me tell you when some of you are going to get over your carnality and your flesh. Some of you are going to get over the problems in your life. When you say, I'm not letting go, Jesus. I don't care how many altar services. I don't care how many prayer meetings. I don't care how many days you got to fast. I don't care. I'm not perfect. I'm messed up. I'm broken. I, I don't care how often it takes. But, but God, I'm not, I'm not letting you go. I'm not letting you go. Let me tell you something. There is an available grace of God that is powerful enough to do for you what you can't do for you. But God wants to know, do you have a will? Do you have hunger? Do you have thirst? Are you willing to get a hold of God in a way that you say, I'm not letting go until things get better. Some people are waiting for God to do his thing. You know what? Sometimes God's waiting for you to do your thing. I'm not talking about selfish human will. I'm not talking about self-oriented, you know, me, 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 me. But I am saying this. It is significant That this is the moment where Jacob becomes Israel. You're a scammer boy, thief, thievy boy, scammer guy, illegitimate, immoral dude. Guess what? You're not that. You're now a prince with God and man. When did the identity change? The identity changed. When he partners his will. This is the moment a man is made. This is the moment a nation is created. Israel in the Middle East, the bastion of freedom and liberty, was created in the day when a man got a hold of God and he said, I'm not letting go of you, Lord. You gave me a will and you delight in the exercise of that will. Trying to teach. Can't help myself. What was the notable characteristic 
of Jacob in the Bible. The notable characteristic that elevated him above his peers. One more. Okay. Wasn't satisfied. The notable characteristic of Jacob. The guy that wrestles till the breaking of the day. I let him go. Persistence. Dedication. Determination. Hunger. Can I say this? Who said it? Who said it? Oh. Drive. Drive. Passion. Impetuousness. I ain't letting go. I ain't letting go. Drive. Something inside of him. The notable characteristic that turned him from a scammer to somebody that had power with God was a will, a drive, a can-do. I ain't letting go. I'm not all that I can be. I'm not all that I want to be. I'm messed up and I'm mixed up, but I've got access to something in God. God's available, and I've got a will in my drive. I'm getting a hold of God. I don't care what happens. I've got to have the blessing of God on my life. And he was qualified for the blessing of God upon his life because he had a drive for God. I think sometimes God is interested. Do you give a rip? Okay, let me get back to my lesson. God gave you and I a free will. And he is uniquely curious and responsive to your free will. I'm going to say that again because it's that powerful. God gave you a free will. And he is uniquely curious and responsive to your free will will. Let me tell you why some people struggle in their walk with God. Are you ready? This is going to get theologically deep. The reason why some people struggle in their walk with God is because they're lazy. Well, I'm here. Well, Rev, I, I I go to church now and then. I don't go to PM Live, and I don't go to group, but I go to church. You know why people struggle? They're lazy. I say it with a smile. That's a counterbalance. Listen, lazy people are going to struggle. I'm preaching really good. Can you make yourself do what you're supposed to do? Can you tell yourself no? Can you say yes to God? God's working. Okay, watch. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest by any means. Paul said, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. He said, I got to keep this body of mine under control. What are you talking about? I'm talking about a flabby will. It's jelly. Like a couch potato. Will, spineless and weak. Listen, if you live for God hard, it's going to be easy. If you live for God easy, it's going to be hard. I'm going to say it again. If you live for God hard, it's going to be easy. If you live for God easy, it's going to be hard. Well, Pastor, it's hard. It's, it's so hard. Living for God so hard. Oh, living for God's hard. Let me tell you what. If you start living for God hard, you start living for God Really, the, the way you, you and I know we're supposed to live for God, guess what? It stops getting hard. <laughs> I'm having more fun than a human being should be allowed to have. 
It's the first of the year. It's the first of the year, right? So everybody, they're going to get their exercise program on. I won't ask for a show of hands. Jenny Craig, exercise program. Anytime fitness. Okay, try before you buy. You, you, okay, you say, I don't know if that's for me. All you got to do, they got a new, new place over there on Golf Course Road. Drive up in there, and they got great big plate glass windows, right? Plate, plate glass windows. You're not ready yet? Just drive up. Just pull up in front of those plate glass windows, and you're going to see them. gonna be skinny I'm gonna be skinny I'm gonna be skinny you say what are they doing they're exercising you didn't know this but I'm gonna tell you this what you don't know is you say they're exercising their muscles They're not exercising their muscles. They're exercising their will. Because you'll never exercise your muscles until you exercise your will. Because if you don't have a will, you ain't going to exercise your muscles. Because I have a will for about two and a half weeks. Exercise your will. What happens when you exercise? You get strong and you get healthy. This is why undisciplined people are going to have a hard time living for God. Everybody okay over there? People falling out while I'm preaching. If you want to know how to live for God, go to the gym. Bridget, Bridget, they're called spiritual disciplines. Oh, pastor, talk about talking in tongues and <laughs> shouting and dancing rejoicing. Don't talk to me about that discipline stuff. Make me feel good, Rev. Tell me what I want to hear. Talk to me about those little doodads that go up and down my spine. Whatever you do, Reverend, don't, don't, don't talk to me about discipline. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to hear about, about discipline. Are you ready? I want to share this with you. They say, you know the fastest growing church in the world? They say in the Christian, Christian ranks, you know the fastest growing church in the world? You know where it's at, what country it's in? They say the fastest growing church in the world, they say, is in Iran. They're standing up against those Iranian mullahs, persecution. Many of them are being murdered for their faith. And the testimony that comes out of the persecution that is Iran, they say there's a mass exodus leaving Islam for Christianity within Iran. Listen, this is a quote. What persecution did was de destroy the church that were not disciples. Say, Pastor, oh man, you're not talking a lot of fun for us now. Persecution destroyed the church that were not disciples and destroyed the church that were about converts. Listen very closely. As an Iranian church leader noted, it destroyed the church that were not disciples and destroyed the church that were about converts. All these, quote, church planners found out that converts run away from persecution. But disciples will die for the Lord in persecution. Disciples will die for their faith. They'll die when the going gets tough. 
That's why we got to do more. Listen, thank God every person that gets baptized in Jesus' name filled with the Holy Ghost. We got to have more than converts in this church. We got to have disciples in this church. We got to have people that have made up their mind, though none go with me, still I will follow. If my family walks out on me, if everybody else around me spits in my face and quits in their walk with God, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You flay my body, you beat me, you put me in prison, threaten me with life and destruction. I'm still going to live for God because I don't want to just be a convert. I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. What are you saying? You got to put your will into this thing, man. Okay, let me break it down this way. I'm a Norwegian. I'm preaching Scandinavians. I know our church. I'm German. My last name is Lichtel. I mean, what do you want? It used to be von Lichtenstein. My dad added burger ski. Von Lichtenstein burger ski. That's what I grew up all my life here. Von Lichtenstein burger ski. That's a joke. Kate will smile. German. German. Germans are stout. They're strong. Germans are stubborn. Paul, are you German? Norwegian? Scandinavian? You know what we are? We're, we're stubborn people. That song, I shall, I shall, I shall not be moved. Uh-huh. Huh? I want to liberate someone and I want to help someone this morning. Guess what? That's not a bad thing. If you put it in the right direction, that's, stubbornness is not a bad thing. I know stubbornness is as idolatry. If it's self-centered stubbornness, I'm a goner, I'm a goner, I'm a goner. But I'm going to tell you what, if, if you can get some of that Scandinavian, Norwegian, Bosnian, you get a little bit of that German stubbornness going in the right way, oh, you're going to be unstoppable for God. Come on now. When someone says, I am determined with God's help to be successful for God. Come on, put your hands together. I am determined. what? God's blessed this church with some new disciples that have come in. They're not converts, they're disciples. That's how Mariah Linehan's living for God. Mariah Lionhead's living for God. Her family don't get it. But Mariah, you're going to win. Mariah's going to not just win for you. She's going to win for her family because she's going to be more stubborn than her family is in Christ. You can laugh at me. You can talk about me. You can try to make my life miserable, but I'm living for God. If I got to do it by myself, I'm living for God. And I tell you what, that kind of mentality, someone that makes up their mind, Vienna, it's not easy. It's not easy. Though, no, though none go with me, still, Jesus, I will follow you. If people don't understand me, if I'm mistreated, if I'm maligned, it's not going to make me quit. It's going to make me stronger to get a hold of God in my life because I need God in my life. I am determined in Jesus' name that I'm going to live for God no matter what happens in my life. I'm going to live for God.
Be stubborn. Just be stubborn the right way. You know what happens? Grace gets thrown into your life, right? Grace is the unmerited favor of God. It's the power to do the will of God. Where's Brian? <laughs> you better heads up, Brian. Brian, you better get with it. Grace is you're drowning in a sea of addiction that you can't get yourself out of. But God's so good. It didn't come from you, Brian. It didn't come from any of us. Our salvation didn't come from us. We didn't have within us what we needed to accomplish what we need to accomplish. That's what life has taught us. We don't have what we need in us. But God, who is rich in mercy, in his abundant love, wherewith he loved us. That's why he said, by grace are you saved. By grace. And then all of a sudden, that's all right, we drop the ball sometimes. You know, we make up our mind, we're getting a hold of that thing. Grace came to us. It gives us a way out of the drowning condition that we've been in. But friend, it's by grace through faith. Where's the faith? That's this man right here, grabbing a hold of God's grace. Don't grab it like a sissy, Brian. And you're out in an ocean and there are 40-foot waves and you go, oh, I'm in a trough now. But man, when you're drowning like that, you're saying, I'm, I've got this with everything I got. I ain't letting go of this thing. I ain't letting go of this thing. That's what you got to do. God's grace is available. But you got to get a hold of God's grace in your life. By grace, through faith. What that means is I'm getting a hold of God in my life. That means I'm going to be at every prayer meeting I can be at. That means sometimes i got to fast this flesh under submission. That means I'm feeding myself the word of God. That means Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night group. Come on. That means I'm going to be in the altars. Come on, folks. We can't have one of those stupid, dead, lifeless churches where two-thirds of the people are sitting in the pews while the Holy Ghost is moving in the altars. No, i got to get in the altars. i got to get under the spout where the glory comes out. I'm getting where the action's at. I'm getting where the action's at. That means when we got three days of prayer and fasting, 100% of the church uh, that is disciples, not just converts, uh, says, I'm going to be at prayer meeting. Sorry to make it too personal. I'm going I'm I'm to partner. I'm going to get a hold of this. i got to have God inside of my life. It's the grace of God that comes to us, but it's the free will of man that receives and accepts the grace that comes to us and gets a death grip on it it said I ain't ever letting this thing go it doesn't matter what happened I'm partnering my will with the will of God yes so so what role does my will play I'm putting my will into this thing into the will of God it's not just the will of God it's the will of man partnering together with the will of God I'm putting my will into this thing because God I've got to have you I can't do it without you I'm not smart enough I'm not wise enough I'm not good enough I can't do it without you God I'm getting a hold of this thing with everything I've got and I'm never going to let it go I need God in my life. Come on, man. We need God in our life. Watch, Corinthians 126. 
You see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things. Tap that person next to you. <laughs> Don't do it too much, Joy. Found the wise. God hath chosen the weak things. Tap your neighbor on the other side. Don't enjoy it too much. The weak things of this world to confound the things that are mighty. Why? Because the rich people, they trust in themselves. Trust in their riches. The wise person says, oh, I'm so smart. I'm so smart, I don't need God. I'm so rich, I don't need God. Under control. It's all good. I'm all good. I don't need God. God said, not many like that. But God chooses the foolish things. I'll tell you what it means. That means I know, Malcolm Dearman, I can't do it without God. I can't live this life without him. But I know at the same time that with God, I can do it. His grace is available in my life. That's why I'm, I'm working with this thing. I'm working with this. God gave it to me, and I'm putting myself into it. I'm putting my will into it. The human will has got to admit at some point, I need God. I, I, I need God. I need God. Let me tell you when you're going to overcome. You're going to overcome when you freely admit and put your will into this thing. And you say, I need God. I got to have God. I need God. I'm putting my will into it. I got to have God. I need all of God. I need everything that I can get. I need every ounce. I need every pound. I need every minute. I need every hour. I need everything I, I, I can get. Let me summarize to you the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms, summarize. I need God. I need God. I need God. Lord, thou down, cast all my soul. Put your trust in God. I need God. I need God. I got to have God. I got to have God. But you don't have some weak, sissified, sissy, do good. Too bad. Nice bad. Let's say just eat worms. You have an active will. Come on. I need God. Okay, I got to go quick. You got to preach better with me and faster with me, or we're never going to finish. Okay, Hosea 12 and 2, watch. The Lord hath also a controversy with Judah and will punish Jacob. Okay, Hosea, what's he doing? He's preaching to his people, Israel, right? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. He's preaching to Israel. He's preaching to his nation, Israel, right? He's like, Israel, you're a bunch of backsliders. I'm ticked off with you. You're my nation. I'm bothered because you're not where you need to be, okay? He says, according to his doings, will I recompense him? He's correcting. Hosea is correcting Israel. And all of a sudden, he changes paths, almost. And just out of the blue, he took his brother by the heel in the womb. Who's he talking about? No, listen. He took his brother by the heel. Who took their brother by the heel in the womb? Jacob. He's preaching about Jacob. He's like, he's correcting Israel, and then he's like, oh, hey, guys, Jacob. You know, he's kind of like your namesake. He's the, the reason why you're Israel. Remember Israel? Jacob became Israel. Remember? Jacob wrestled. Became, in, became a prince with God and man. Jacob becomes Israel. Israel, I'm talking to you. Remember your namesake. Israel, he took his brother by the heel. Remember the story, Israel. And listen, underline this in your Bible. Get it in your spirit deep. Mm. A lot of people are resistant to this, to this idea. Watch. By his strength, he had power with God. What does the human will have to do with this thing? A whole big bunch, according to Hosea. 
You may, well, what's that have to do with anything? By his strength, he had power with God. Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us. Even the Lord God of hosts, the Lord is his memorial. Six, therefore. Remember, you ever read a therefore? What's the therefore, therefore? Therefore, turn thou to God. Turn to God. Therefore, why? Remember Jacob? Jacob had a will. Israel, you've lost your will. Israel, you're flabby. Israel, you're just going along to get along. Israel, you're away from me. But Israel, there was a guy named Jacob that by his strength he had power with God. There was a guy named Jacob that got a hold of an angel and he wrestled with his angel. And by his own strength, he had power with God by his strength. Israel, do you want to make your way back to me? Then Israel, you need to be like Jacob. Israel, you need to get your will back. Israel, something ought to rise up within you, Israel. Israel, get some strength in your guts and in your soul and in your will. And you can find restoration and restitution and revival. And you can have what you've never had if you can be like Jacob. By his own strength. So, Pastor, I thought we were talking about the grace of God, man. Where are you going? Where are you going? I thought you were talking about grace of God. That's the part we want to hear. We got to put our will into this thing. God's looking for people that put their will into this thing. Come on. Come on. Come on. God's looking for people that put their will into this thing. Come on, is my will into this thing. Because you're going to have to wrestle through some things. And let me tell you what, there is a God that if you'll get a hold of him and you put your will into this thing, you can wrestle through some things to victory. Yes. What are you saying? The grace of God. This is why this message has gotten so mixed up through the ages, why so many people are afraid of the message, because the message gets out of balance. The message is God's grace goes to us. He throws us hope. He throws us help. He throws us a new life. He so throws us opportunity and possibility. He throws us what can be. And all we have to do is grab a hold of it and put our will into it. And export it into our life and say, if that's God's will, I want it to be my will. If that's what God wants, then that's what I want. Watch 2 Corinthians 6 and 1. We then, as workers together with him, hmm, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. That's weird. If grace is irresistible, how could you receive it in vain? If it's all pre-programmed, predestined, preordained, pre-foreordained, 
who's going to be lost and who's going to be saved, and grace is therefore irresistible, then how could you receive the grace of God in vain? You couldn't. That's why that doctrine is shot full of holes. It's not irresistible. But thank God that grace can come into our lives and we can cooperate with grace. Cooperate with grace. That means you go to a conference, you feel the power of God, you're in the altars and you're like, God begins to speak with you. You can take that promise and you can go home with it and say, in Jesus' name, it's going to be a new day. What is that? That's grace showing up. You wake up in the morning, you say, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. And something rises up within your chest. You say, this is going to be a good day on a Monday. You know what that is? That's the grace of God showing up. You come around Tuesday and there's a desire in your heart, man, I need to read my Bible, the Word of God. You know what that is? That's grace and you crack your Bible and all of a sudden you're cooperating with that grace. Something rises up, you start thinking, man, I want my family to be unlike it's never been before. I want to have a wonderful family. What is that? It's the grace of God coming into your life and God's saying, I'm going to help you. And you say, all right, I'm going to work with that grace. Something rises up, says, man, I want to do something for God. Where do you think that comes from? That's a gift that comes from God. Then all of a sudden you say, all right, I'm going to partner with that. God gave me a will. I'm going to do something for God now. God's given me a desire. I'm going to put that to work. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that you and God are a team. Clap your hands under the Lord one more time. God chose it to be that way. He wants it to be that way. You and God, me and God, we are a team. Now, he is the leader. He's the leader. I'm the follower. Let's get that straight. We're a team, but God wants to work with us. We are not robots. God, what literally, we are not heartless and brainless. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God gave us a human will that can correspond to his will. And friend, it's a delicate dance. But if you can learn that as God's grace begins to come into your life and you learn how to interplay and interchange with grace when it shows up in your life and all of a sudden you put your will with that grace and grace shows up and you respond to that grace and you put your will into it and you begin to work with that grace. Friend, I'm telling you, God begins to work with us as we cooperate with God. It's the grace of God, but it's not static. something that we interact with. Grace is God's miracle agent, gift of divine energy that brings help and transformation into the life of a child of God. It's grace. And the Christian life is about learning how to lean on and cooperate with that grace. That's what Christian life's all about. Learning how, how do I work together with that grace? I'm working with God in my life. I am cooperating with grace. Now, very, very important concept because what that means then is that we've got to figure out, okay, figure out what is God's part and what is my part. Okay, you with me? Because if I try to do God's part, I'm going to be very frustrated because there's some things only God can do. But if I expect God to do my part, God's going to be frustrated. 
Okay, I got to break it down. All right, let's break it down. Okay, what does that mean? Let's talk about our finances. How many want, want your finances to be blessed? You want your finances to be blessed? Everybody, I don't want it. Anybody not want their finances to be blessed? Okay, so we have God's part and we have my part, right? Grace of God, will of man. God's part, my part. So I got to figure out what's my part. Well, my part is to be a good steward, right? That means I probably don't want to have 32 loans. We'll pay for it later. Yeah, I, that means I, I can't just be a spendthrift and just, ah, just, you know, whatever. I'm just going to rack up a bunch of credit card debt. Yeah, I got a credit score. It just happens to be about 150. I got a credit score, but it's a really, really bad credit score. That, that, what are you saying? That's, that's, that's my part. That means being generous. That means being a good steward. That means paying my tithes. It's amazing to me that somebody would say, I want, I want God's will in my life. I want God to bless my finances, but I'm not going to pay my tithes. <laughs> God's going to be like, best of luck to you, genius. Let me tell you what. Jesus preached about money a lot. And you know why? Because it was a, it was a human nature problem. He knew human nature. He preached about money a lot. He didn't say you're going to serve God or the devil. He said you're going to serve God or money. So he talked about money. And all tithing does, listen, listen, God doesn't need your 10%. God's like, oh, please, pretty, pretty, please. I need your 10% or, or God's going to go bankrupt. Please, saint. God's there with his hat in his hand. Please pay your tithes. You think God can't survive without your money? Let me tell you what. He did really good before you and he'll do real good after you. I need your money to, God's in such trouble, he needs money. No, you need God's blessing. And God wants to know, does your money have your heart? Does, he have, does your money have a, have a chokehold on your throat? <laughs> I love preaching the word. You do your part. You do your part. God, okay. Okay, you want me to give the tenth? That's no problem. I'll give you the tenth. And you know what I found? When I give him the tenth, the 90 goes farther than the original 100. When I give God the tenth. Okay, what are you saying? So that's, that's my part. God's not going to do that for me. And guess what? When I do my part, I'm a good steward. I'm generous. I, money doesn't have a hold on me. I give God what is his. All of a sudden, then I can say, guess what? If I got more month than money and I'm challenged this month, then it's God's part to take care of it from here. Jesus, take the wheel. God's part is to, is, is to feed every falling sparrow. It's to number the hairs of our head. He's a capable God. He manages the universe. He takes care of everything. And he can certainly take care of me and take care of you. But he wants to know you're going to do your part. And then God said, no problem, I'll do my part. Co-operate. Grace of God, will of man. And it's this constant learning of co-operating. You say marriage. How about marriage? How many want a blessed marriage? How many want a terrible marriage? Who don't want a terrible marriage? Yeah. Well, you want a good marriage, you got to do your part. That means you don't shoot your mouth off. That means you don't have a tongue that's 12 foot long that's got a sword on the end of it. A little marriage counseling here this morning. That means you be kind. That, 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 that means 1 Corinthians 7. Hey, pay attention, everybody. That means red-hot monogamy. That means you have good sex in your marriage. I was waiting for that. 
That was the response I got in Deer River, too. I heard one great big hearty, amen. I won't tell you who. Amen. I'll show them. I'm so mad at him, I'm going to cut him off. Well, that's going to work out real good. I'm sure you'll have more harmony and more joy and more peace. you have a lot of frustration probably. <laughs> it got quiet. The past 10 minutes have been quiet. You do your part. You be good to one another. You, do, you be kind. You do your part. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And guess what? You know what? God says, hey, now I'm going to protect your weaknesses. God says, now I'm going to be about your family. Now the angel of the Lord encampeth about them that fear him. Now God said, I'm going to give you a posterity and a heritage. Now God said, I'm going to bless your children. I'm going to give them something. You've been living right for me, and you've been doing your part. And now God said, I'm going to take care of your kids. I'm going to take care of your backslidden kids. I'm going to take care of the kids that are away from God. You do your part. Part, and God can do his part. You don't do your part, you can't expect God to do his part. But you do your part, God, you don't have to worry about God. God's on time. He's a good God. He's fully capable. He does a good job. Sudap, amen. Ten rows back, there he is. Answer to prayer. Anyway, I'll move on. Church, man, we want a great church. We want to have a great church. How many want to have a great church? I want to have a great church. I mean, who wants to go to a sucky church? Who wants to go to a stinky church? Strife and problems and selfishness. Nobody wants that. We all want to go to a good church, right? We want to go to a good church. I got to do my part. How do I do my part if I'm going to be a good part of a good church? I'm going to be benevolent and kind to my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to speak good words to them. Are you with me? I'm, I'm going to, if I want to be a part of a good church, and I, then I attend all the services. We have a Sunday night service. It's called PM Live. It's awesome. Awesome. I mean, it's awesome. Whoa. We have this thing. We have this thing. It's called, it's called life groups. Brother Lund, it's called life groups. We do life together, man. We do life together. We learn the word of God together. What's my part? Attend all the services. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about Hebrews 10.25. That's what I'm talking about. Don't make me quote it. What are you saying? You look out for others. You contribute. You, you do ministry. You do your part. And then guess what? We want a great church. We do our part. Let me tell you what, God does his part. You know what God does? God shows up. He shows up. That's why when people come in here, they said, we've been to 15 churches until we came here. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm going to try to be stupid. I'm just saying, that's why people say, we came in here and all of a sudden, man, tears started coming out of my eyes. They said, man, we came to this church, and, and I, I'm preaching right now, and I'm feeling it right now. And they say, man, I got goosebumps, man. It came all the way up my arm, all the way up and down my spine. I wanted to cry. All of a sudden, man, I want to live for God. You know what? You know what? We did our part. 
We worship, we pray, we praise, we fast, we love God, we do our best. We can't artificially create a move of God. All we can do is our part. But when we do our part, then God does his part. And he shows up, and he shows out, and miracles happen, and lives are changed, and people are blessed, and we're a part of something wonderful because God does his part. Come on, we can't build a great church. We can't build a doghouse. Can't build a great church. We just do our part. And he'll build a great church. But we do our part. He does his part. Are you getting what I'm saying? Cooperate. Grace. God comes in. We do our part. He does his part. Soul winning. Listen, you can't give anybody the Holy Ghost. You can palm foreheads all day long. You can scream and spit and, and everything else. You can't give anybody the Holy Ghost. You can't give anybody the Holy Ghost. But what you can do is you can love people. You can teach the word of God and open up the scripture and say, this is what the Bible says. You say, I don't know how to do that. Good, just do it. I don't know how to do that. Just read scriptures. Share the scripture. I can do my part. I can be a witness. I can be a testimony. I can teach Bible studies. I can live the life in front of unbelievers. And listen, when I do my part, then God will convict. God will wake people up in the middle of the night. God will speak to people. God will draw. No man can come except the Father draw. Except there's a drawing of the Spirit and God begins to draw. And the Lord begins to tug. Who does it? He does it. But he's waiting for us to do what we're supposed to do. We witness. We testify. We love. We share. We give. Amen. And God does his part. I'll make them unsatisfied. I'll touch their hearts. I'll get them so sick of life. And all of a sudden, they'll be at a crisis, and, and I'll come in, and I'll swoop in, and I'll save them. We do our part. God does his part. Get it? Cooperate. Grace of God, will a man. Right? Get it? Okay, that, if that one didn't hit you, how about this one? You're here this morning, and you are single, and you want to get married. <laughs> you want a boyfriend? You want a girlfriend? Aw. Don't look stoic. Don't look too stoic. I'll go after you, girl. You better say amen. <laughs> Preaching really good. What do you do? You do your part. You live a godly life. You mature. You give yourself to growth. You pray. Live a life of integrity. You prepare yourself for the person that God's getting ready to bring into your life. You just automatically think you're going to wake up one day, oh yeah, here we go. God's going to give me my knight in shining armor. You're not the princess yet. You become the princess, the knight in shining armor shows up. Do you get it? Would you like to accelerate the process? Become the princess quicker. <laughs> quicker you get ready, the quicker God says, I'll give you what you need. You do your part. Grow into a mature person. Be in the altars. Are you ready? Listen up. I'm not done with the subject. Fish in the right pond. Fish in the right pond. <laughs> Brianne, I'm not seeing enough of an amen. You fish in the right pond. You don't find them in the bars. You don't find them in the world. 
I want a spouse. I want to get married. I want to get married so bad. But I don't go anywhere. I don't do anything. I sit in my room. I play tiddlywinks all day long. I ain't met a brand new person in seven years of my life. But man, I want God to send me a husband. I want God to send me a wife. God says, <laughs> that's funny. God says, fish in the right pond. Fish in the right pond. That's why you go to breakthrough ministry training. Man, if for no other reason, even if it's not spiritual, maybe some of you singles, that's how you're going to find your husband or your wife. If for no other reason, I'm going, to, I'm going to family camp this year. I'm going to North American Youth Congress this year. Because if I go to North American Youth Congress, God may park me right next to some woman from some far off land, lunar surface somewhere. Oh, Joe is right. He's fishing in the right pond. What would have happened if he didn't go to Youth Congress and he was sitting on a bar stool somewhere? He wouldn't have had his wife. He did his part. God did his part. He said, I'm going to bring this girl. She's going to be sitting, whatever, fifth deck, 18,000 people, and you're going to sit down next to her, and it's going to blow your mind. She's going to be the best gift you've ever been given in your entire life. God said, I'm going to bring her right to you. But he was fishing in the right pond. Will of man, grace of God. What are you saying? I'm going to do my part. That's all I know. I'm going to do my part. And if I do my part, God's going to do his part. And he's been coming into my life. He's throwing me hope and help and all that. And all I'm doing is just grabbing a hold of it. And I am cooperating with God. And as I cooperate with God, God is working in my life. One part is my part. One part is God's part. I close. I'm not done, but I'll close. Most people are out of balance one way or the other. Listen to me. One way or the other, they're out of balance. What do you mean by that? They either need more initiative to do their part because some things God's not going to do. I told you, some stuff God's not going to do. You sit around all day long. Some people stumble and fumble through life trying to figure out why is my life not working? Because some people are sitting around waiting for God to do something that God's sitting around waiting, when are you going to do what you're supposed to do? Right? Some people need more initiative. Other people possibly need to back up a little bit and stop worrying so much. Stop trying too hard and let God do his part. You don't have to worry about God. God's going to do his part. I'm going to finish with this. Here we go. Where's my football? don't have to leave. <laughs> God throws it into your life. You have a decision to make. He throws grace. Here's a prayer life. Here's a ministry. Here's companionship. Here's what you've always been looking for. He throws it into your life. And you got to make up your mind. Are you going to catch it? And once you catch it, Cole, what you going to do with it? I'm going to run with it. God gave me this. I'm going to run with it. You know what happens sometimes, Paul? Stand up just for a second, would you? Can you stand up just for a second? You're running with it. All of a sudden, you get hit really hard. Ugh. And then you, you fumble yeah. it. You fumble it. Some people fumble the ball. 
Thank you, Paul. Thank you. I'm sorry. He's got a knee injury. Here, I'm messing him up. Paul, drop the ball. Oh, my goodness. No, he helped me. I dropped the ball. Okay, listen up. Every great running back is going to drop the ball. It happens. The best running backs, they're going to drop the ball. It's not about, it's not about the fall. Ah, it's about what are you going to do with the fall? You know what you, this is what you do. You fumble the ball, you pick the ball back up. Pick the ball back up. I'm not letting this go. I'm not letting this go. If I failed, sure, you betcha. If I made mistakes, oh yeah, we've all made them. If I've always been all that I can be, absolutely not. But it's this tug of war we're learning. We're learning. We're learning how to cooperate with grace. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. All men teaching us that denying ungodliness, worldly lust. The grace of God comes to everybody. The grace comes to everybody. It's a question, what are you going to do? Am I going to be a pansy Pentecostal? Am I going to be a sissified, neutered version? Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Not me. I'm going to get my will into this thing. People around here act a little crazy sometimes. You people that act crazy sometimes, don't let anything stop you. Don't let anything stop you. We don't care what the world thinks. But those people that act a little crazy now and then, let me tell you what they're doing. They're tucking this ball tighter. I got, God, i got to have a breakthrough today. Oh, God, I've got to have something happen in my life. Oh, I need a move of God in my life. I'm going on a fast. I'm putting this will under subjection. I'm submitting my life. I'm doing the tough stuff of living for God. I'm burying myself in an altar. I'm praying. I'm crying. I'm weeping. I'm resisting. I'm working. I'm trying. But I'm getting a hold of God in my life that no matter what happens, I'm going to get a hold of God in my life until something changes in my life. Get a hold of God in my life. Something's going to change. Because God, you can stand. God is highly interested. Are you ready? He is highly interested in your level of interest. I'm going to say it again. He is highly interested in your level of interest. Is this just blase? Does it not matter? It is God which works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. But at the same time, we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. It's both. It's not either or. It's both and. I don't know about you. All I know is that I want God to know. I'm in it to win it. Come on. Come on, congregation. Are you in it to win it? Come on, dads. Come on, dads. Are you in it to win it for your family, for God? Come on, moms. I'm opening these altars right now. I think I think we ought to make a commitment today. Come on, moms. You're in it to win it. I think we ought to come reaching out to God today.